Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall is separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, all the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Uh, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. You'd be red hot for the Messiah if you heard God's voice the way he, he heard God's voice as a young man. Uh, his name is uh, Pastor Keenan Bridges, and uh, he's the senior pastor of uh, Grace and Peace Global Fellowship in Tampa, Florida. And uh, Keenan, I'm going to take you back a ways. Uh, At age 15, uh, you came to your senses and you rededicated your life to the Lord. Uh, But when did you start actually uh, recognizing the supernatural, being able to see or hear in the invisible realm? Well, uh, thank you, and God bless you, Sid. Actually, um, it kind of goes back. It's It's an interesting story. As I mentioned to you before, when I was about nine years old, my mother used to listen to a televangelist by the name of John Osteen, who has passed away now. Uh, And I used to read his books, and I used to love his teaching, by the way, but go ahead. (laughs) He was a very awesome and simple teacher, and he was the one that introduced me to uh, the notion of salvation. Now, my, my mother was a Christian, and she went to church regularly. But I was very young again at the time, and on one of the programs, he offered an invitation to salvation, which was his custom, every program that he that he ministered. And so I looked at my mother, and I asked her, I said, can I accept Jesus into my heart? She says, sure. And so I said, okay. And I said the prayer of salvation for the first time at nine. Now, the challenge for me, Sid, was that I didn't have a whole bunch of teachers or mentors, or even people uh, my age that could relate to me. You know, kind of in traditional uh, churches, young people are kind of seen as different than the older people, and so it's it's kind of a it's kind of cute for them to you know want to be interested in God, but it's not always taken seriously. But long story short, at the age of 15, it was the summer of '96. Uh, I rededicated my life to Jesus Christ, and I made Him my Lord and Savior. And subsequently, Sid, I was actually filled with the Holy Spirit. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And that was probably the most transformational thing that ever happened to me apart from salvation itself. Now, uh, did something unusual happen in that experience? Well, it's it's interesting because um, I didn't know a whole bunch about the Holy Spirit. I had, you know, people talked about the Holy Ghost but that was when God began to open up the realm of the Spirit to me. And for the first time in my life, I began to hear God's voice. I, I began to receive direction from God. I even began to see in the Spirit realm. Now, mind you, I had never read a book on deliverance. I never read a book on, uh, um, in, you know, any of the spiritual gifts. But I unknowingly see it begin to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. For example, a word of knowledge. I would see somebody or meet someone, and I would instantly know things about that person. It could be something that happened in their past. It could be something that they were going through. And and I would begin to have insight into these situations. And it was just an amazing thing. That That was kind of the first time I began to 
realized that there was another realm outside of the one in which I live. God began to even give me prophecies and things like that about the church, which, to be honest, I was afraid of at the time. Now, what what would you say was one of the more amazing prophetic words that you had for the church or for an individual? Give me an example. Well, let, let me give an example. Um, God began to speak to me about uh, the church, and he began to, even at a young age, he began to show me that, really, I didn't understand it at the time, but that God, he had called me to a global uh, vision. It was a global mandate, and God began to show me things to come. For example, I would see, this was in 96, I remember one time I had a vision that a plane crashed in my driveway. Uh, I would have visions of the end times, and God began to reveal to me that the the, the, the the whole shape of the church was going to change. There was going to be a shift in the church. There was going to be a convergence in uh, as far as different denominations, different people would begin to come together, and they would together flow in the supernatural in a way that really the world had never seen before. There would be signs and wonders. Now, mind you, no one is here teaching me this. But God is beginning to speak to me about his church, that we need to come back to our first love. We need to die to ourselves, and then we need to really repent so that he can, he can really take us back to his original plan in, in the book of Acts, the early church, really. Is he going to succeed in that, in that vision? Uh, it looks pretty uh fierce out there as far as the aggression of the devil uh, and the lowering the bar on morality. Uh, what do you see happening? Well, you, you know, that, that's a very interesting statement. It's true. There, there is definitely uh, have, there, there's been a lot of compromise in the body of Christ, the, the standards of the Lord. Uh, you know, Paul talks about in the book of Corinthians, his first epistle to the Corinthian church, they had a problem with fornication. And Paul talks about how that you, you should be mourning, you should be weeping, and you, sh- you should uh, not uh, boast in this sin, but you should actually put it out of the church because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. But what a lot of people don't understand, Sid, is that when we talk about revival, when we talk about global revival, when we talk about the Spirit of God really manifesting in our lives, what we see in the early church is that synonymous with the manifestation of the Spirit is a call to holiness. Anytime the Holy Spirit begins to manifest, we see this in ancient Israel uh, in the book of Exodus, anytime God descended on the camp of Israel, anytime he manifests himself, he would always tell Moses, tell the people to sanctify themselves. Because the presence of God is so powerful, it's so tangible, that, that there's nothing really unclean that can stand in his presence. So, so you might say it's a two-edged sword. In other words, everyone wants the presence of God, and it's going to be wonderful, but if you're not walking in holiness, it'll be the worst thing that ever happened to you. Absolutely, Sid. And, and I do believe, to answer your question, I do believe God is calling us, even what you're going to see, and uh, mark my words, what you're going to see in the church, you're going to be, begin to see young people that are going to operate in a level of anointing, a level of severity that we haven't seen in many, many years. I, I have to tell you, as you're sharing that, and uh, we're doing it by way of telephone, uh, I am beginning to shake in my seat as if the Holy Spirit's getting excited over what you're saying. <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
Okay. At, at, uh, in 1997, you heard the audible voice of God in your call into ministry. What did he tell you? Oh, well, you know, Sid, one of the things I found out about God is that, you know, the Bible talks about how his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. But there's a simplicity in the supernatural, I think, that a lot of people take for granted. I was traveling back from my father was a an avid uh, fisherman. He loved to fish. So so periodically we would take trips to Pensacola, Florida, or Daytona. We would go fishing. Well, on this particular trip to Florida, I was looking out the window because I, I daydreamed a lot as a young child. And that's a whole other testimony how God delivered me from a lot of the stuff that I was bound to. But I was looking out of the window, and I heard the audible voice of the Holy Spirit, and he said, preach my word. Literally, it's, I looked into a cloud, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it says, preach my word. Now, again, it was just that simple. After he spoke to me, and that was it, <laughs> you know, that was it. And uh, uh, several several months later, maybe even almost a year later, I was at a, um, a men's conference. A friend of mine was, his father was the pastor of a, a big traditional church in, in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he would take me on Monday nights to a men's conference, a men's meeting. And uh, this is, mind you, this is a, kind of what we would call, no offense to anyone, but it was, this was a more uh, mainline denomination. They weren't really, uh, you know, this particular denomination is not really big on spiritual gifts and stuff like that. But I was in the conference, I was in the meeting. And the person officiating the meeting, he stopped the meeting, Sid. He stopped the meeting. He said, you know what? I have to do this. I have to obey God. And he pointed at me, Sid, in my face. He says, the Lord says he has a work for you to do. Now, mind you, I'm a teenager. I'm really trembling in my boots because I don't know what he's talking about, but I do know that I did hear from God. And that was the first time that God actually audibly called me into the ministry. Kenan, when you were in college, how did you handle it when a friend of yours came by and he says, I'm going to kill you? <laughs> Actually, see, that was one of the scariest things of my life because, you know, it's one thing to have an enemy, but it's another thing to have what I call a frenemy, somebody who's close <laughs> to who we've never gotten into an argument. We never had any really disagreements at all. And he called me one night in, in my dorm, and I had another friend over who was a believer. And he called me and said that, uh, I need to talk to you. And, of course, he, we talked all the time. I invited him over. I said, come on. But his voice sounded very strange. And I remember he knocked on my door. We began to talk. And, and said, shortly after that, he began to manifest a spirit of anger and a spirit of perversion like I had never seen before. His smile began to go ear to ear like a, if you ever seen the movie Alice in Wonderland, you know, the cat in the hat. Uh, his face began to contort demonically, and uh, he began to uh, manifest, and he came within about an inch of my face and said, I can kill you. I can rip you apart. Now, Sid, you have to understand, my friend was a third-degree black belt in Taekwondo. Oh, no. He was about 210-plus pounds, and he's staring me in my face with a snarl like a, like a, a wild beast, and he's saying, I'm going to kill you. And all I could do, Sid, I wanted to be afraid, but all I could do was say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I said, I take authority over this spirit of murder, this spirit of death, this spirit of perversion in the name of Jesus. 
and he began to laugh and kind of scream out uh, violently or whatever. And then about, I would say within 30 seconds later, he fell to the ground. It was like a brick, uh, like a tree hit the ground, and uh, immediately he was set free. And Whoops, we're out of time right now, but Keenan, I am interviewing you this week because without faith, you cannot please God. And you have one of the most balanced revelations of faith that I've read. Uh, it, it's literally explaining aggressive faith. We have a book called Possessing Your Healing, Taking Authority Over Sickness in Your Life. And trust me when I say with your word studies and the way you explain it, it is so simple and so understandable. But it's not just for healing. It's for every promise in God's Word. And then you have a special CD, Unaggressive Faith, and we're making the CD, the book, and the Scripture cards, which will have your teaching revelation that you've already taught in the book. And when they read these, meditate on these scripture cards, they are going to be walking like what you saw in your vision, that prophecy of what's going to happen to young people. It's going to happen to everyone that gets this kit. I call the kit Aggressive Faith, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Keenan, I'm going to take you back to when you had a uh, series of visions in 2008. What did God show you? Well, the, the first thing uh, that God began to show me, there were several things, actually. But um, as we were uh, beginning to, to pray and God was beginning to open doors unto us, um, and, and for ministry, uh, God began to, the call that he manifested several years ago, or, or he, he spoke to me several years ago, began to come to fruition in a very powerful way. And said, uh, my wife and I, we were, um, you know, we were, we were uh, you know, we didn't have a whole bunch of children at the time. And uh, my wife was pregnant with my oldest daughter. And God began to speak to me, said, I would be in my bedroom at about 3 a.m. every night, God began to open to me the vision of the op- what I call the open door. And God began to speak to me and said, we lived in a little two-bedroom apartment. There, were no, there weren't many windows or anything like that. And so light never really got into the bedroom. But Sid, at 3 a.m. at night, I would see an open door of light shine through my bedroom. And the Holy Spirit would speak to me and say, Behold, I've set before you an open door, which comes out of the book of Revelation. Behold, I've set before you an open door. And so this began to progress, and it began to go on for several months. God would give me the same vision around the same time every night. He said, Behold, I've set before you an open door. And so, Sid, uh, one night we were gathered with some friends of ours, and we have some friends that are very heavy in the prophetic. And she the Spirit of the Lord comes upon her, and she begins to prophesy. And she said, I see lighthouses all throughout this city, all throughout this nation. I see people, they are hungry, they're thirsty. Then she said, Sid, I see people coming out of the wilderness, out of the wilderness. They're hungry, they're thirsty, and God says that you're going to feed these people. You're going to feed them. Some of them have been in the wilderness for years and years and years. 
and they're going to come to this light, this open door, and they're going to be fed the truth of God's Word that's going to change their life forever. Well, on based on this series of visions, what did you do about it? Well, we begin to pray. We begin to pray. My wife and I begin to get in the Word like never before. We begin to, to meditate in the Scriptures, and God began to stir things up, Sid. He would begin to send people to us, and we would just teach people the Word of God. We would begin to 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 uh, expound the Word of God. We begin to fast. We begin to pray and get in the Word. And uh, after that, we started a, a, a in-home Bible study, and people began to come. And uh, about a year later, we actually uh, began our church. There was one other thing I did want to mention, though. I don't know if um, if this is the appropriate time to talk about it, but Sid, I had a vision. Uh, this was around the same. This is actually a little bit later, but I had a vision. And I was praying one day, and I began to see a 10-foot-tall being, a 10-foot-tall being. He was, he was very muscular. He was very uh, wide. He, and I, immediately I just assumed this, this must be an angel. He was about 10 feet tall, and he had a crown on his head, Sid, and he was laden with golden armor. He had a breastplate. He had a sword. And he had a golden shield. And I, and I began to look at him, and he had the fiercest look on his face. And I, and I said, God, this is, I'm seeing an angel. And the Holy Spirit corrected me, Sid. He said, you're not seeing an angel. He said, what you are seeing is yourself in the spirit realm. And God began to give me revelation that when we talk about faith, we're talking about really us starting to understand who we are, Sid, and what God has given us, the authority that God has given us through faith in his word. And that began to just radically shift our life. Well, now I'm beginning to understand why when I was reading your brand new book, it's literally just off the press, uh, this is not just a good teaching book. This is really revelation. Uh, I'm sure others have told you that. Yes, they have. They have. And as a matter of fact, you don't just, you're not just a good teacher. You see results, even in your own family. Uh, tell me about uh, your wife had that irregular heartbeat. Well, yeah, actually, my wife had an irregular heartbeat for several years. And uh, after uh, one of our, it, it started before one of my children were born, and it, it lasted for about a year and a half, two years after that. And uh, my wife was really struggling with that. And we began to agree in faith. We began to, again, get in the Word of God, and we begin to apply the Word of God to our lives. I want to say this to, to those listening. This is very important to understand. The Bible says in Psalms 107 that He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. And God began to show us, Sid, that the Word of God is literally medicine to our spirit man. It's medicine to our soul. And when we apply the Word of God, it begins to radically heal and restore every area of our life. So getting back to my wife, she had this irregular heartbeat, and we prayed. And one night, Sid, uh, we were in a service, and God gave a word of knowledge of a regular heartbeat. My wife released her faith, and immediately she was healed. Now, I, I want to reiterate the fact that she had been, we had been going to cardiologists, we had been going to doctors, and they couldn't do anything for her. They couldn't help us out at all. But when she released her faith for healing, 
She has never, never had an irregular heartbeat again in Jesus' name. Now, now, Keenan, I have to ask you a question, something I've pondered a lot, and many of our listeners are pondering even now. We have friends that, and you do too, that understand the promises of God, understand faith, believing before you see, and they die. Do you have any answer to people that, and when that occurs, uh, the person that sees this strong Christian die, uh, they then say, well, if he couldn't stand, how could I ever stand? Uh, what would you say to someone like that? Well, Sid, that's a very profound question. And I think, let me say this first of all, not only do I have friends, but that is one of the, the, thing, one of the things that acted as an impetus for me getting into this understanding of the Word of God. I began to see people around me die in a spirit-filled church. And I was confused, Sid. I was frustrated. We sung God like, you are the God that healeth me. And you would see people drop like flies. And I was so discouraged as a young believer. And I was so confused until God began to reveal to me, Sid, that that was the exact purpose of those occurrences, to discourage the body of Christ. And what I've learned to do, Sid, is to make the word of God the final authority in our lives. We do not base our experience or our revelation of God off of what other people experience. We base our, ultimately, we base our revelation on the final authority of God's Word. You know what I'm thinking? If you had walked away or distanced yourself from some of the supernatural, from some of the promises of God because of those friends of yours and church members that were dying, you wouldn't have fulfilled your destiny. Absolutely not, Sid. And as a matter of fact, the Bible says, uh, it says that the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus, Yeshua says, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And in fact, that word life there is the word zoe, which is referring to the very life of God himself. It's a transcendent life. It's a life that takes us beyond feelings, emotions, and even circumstances, Sid. Uh, well, I have to tell you, I love your style of teaching because you, you share a scripture, then you break it down into its original meaning. You, you have word studies, and then you explain it, but you don't explain it just as a teacher. You explain it as a supernatural teacher because you've had revelation. What kind of feedback are you getting when people uh, listen to your CDs and, or, and read? And well, of course, they couldn't read your book. It's brand new. It's just off the press. But hear your teaching that's in the book. Well, we're, we're getting all kinds of all kinds of reports and testimonies from people that are that are coming into this understanding and how it's changing their life. And let me say this, Sid, the Word of God is so powerful, people can receive healing right in their living room. They can receive healing in the pews of their local church. They don't have to anywhere they are because Jesus can, he, he can walk through walls, Sid. He can go anywhere you are and touch you. And so we're seeing people being touched. I've had several testimonies. For example, there was a young lady that was attending our ministry uh, that had been suffering from chronic sinus infections for over three years. Sid, 
that she was not able to sleep at night. She could not breathe at night. She was congested. And one day she came to one of our meetings, and uh, I, all I did was ask a question. I said, what's wrong with your sinus? She, says, she explained to me what was going on. I said, is, is that what you want? She says, no. I said, well, be healed in Jesus' name. I never touched her. I never laid a hand on her. Within 24 hours, her sinuses were completely healed, and she never had another episode. Question, can anyone do, based on the promises of God's Word, what you do, which is uh, get rid of sickness inside of yourself, prevent sickness from coming, and pray for others to be healed? So not only can anyone do it, but it's a matter of will anyone do it. Oops, we're out of time. I'm sorry, Kenan. Keenan, this is a personal question. After reading your book and uh, getting to know uh, uh, your testimony and and, and your teaching, uh, do you and your family go to doctors? What do you have to say to that? Actually, uh, we really don't. Uh, And now, I'm not saying that in a suggestive way to tell other people that they shouldn't, but what we have trained ourselves to do, Sid, and this takes training, it takes discipline, is to make the Word of God our first response. You know, when I think about a first response, I think about like 911. When people get into trouble in the natural, they call 911. It's an emergency number. It's their first response. And so our first response is the Word of God. Uh, that's not to say that sometimes, for example, the only time my, my wife has been to the doctor really is uh, for the delivery of our children. Uh, but other than that, and our children may get checkups every now and then, but I haven't been to the doctor ever. Uh, but, yeah, to answer your question. Okay, why is it in congregations uh, there'll be a word of knowledge and one person will be healed and another won't? Why is it in congregations people will come forward for prayer and uh, with identical situations, one person receives a manifestation of healing and the other one does it? Does God pick and choose who gets healed and who doesn't? No, he does not. Actually, the healing power of God is available all to believe. But really, uh, it's an issue of faith. It's an issue of faith and conviction, expectation. And I think people need to learn how to have enduring faith. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says that we are to follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Well, when you look up the word patience there, what you'll find is that it's really talking about the word endurance. It's almost the imagery of a, of a runner running a race. Uh, you have to have stamina. You have to be able to stand. In other words, is your faith genuine, authentic enough that it can stare circumstances in the face and still proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord? Whether it be sickness, whether it be pain, can you stare that pain in the face and say, you know what? God is my healer. He's the God that heals me. First Peter 2.24 tells us that with, uh, with his stripes we were healed. He bore our sicknesses and diseases on the tree. So, so what happens if you know this, what you do, and you stare sickness or pain in the face, and you say what you've just said, and the sickness and the pain do not go away, what do you do? I keep speaking. <laughs> I keep talking. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of? It's like a baseball game where it's not three strikes and, uh, and and you're out. You only are out when you quit. 
speaking, when you stop speaking. And that is actually, that is the device of the enemy. You know, it's not difficult, though. God makes it very easy for us. In Romans chapter 10, it says this. It says, if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus or Yeshua and believe in our heart that God has raised it from the dead, that we will be saved. Now, the word saved there again is the word sozo, which means deliverance. In other words, it means from any peril. You can be saved from sickness. You can be saved from disease. You can be saved from emotional oppression. Anything that you need to be saved from, you can be saved from by the power of the word. But we have to learn to confess. In other words, keep speaking what God speaks only you remember the the centurion that came to Jesus in the Gospels, right? Uh, he said, "My servant needs to be healed," and 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 uh, he says, "Well, I'm coming to your house." And the centurion says, "No, listen, I'm also a man un- under authority. I say go, and this one goes. I say come, and this one comes." Jesus, if you will speak the word only, my servant will be healed. And the Messiah marveled. Said he turned around to his Jewish disciples and says. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. And what was the simple faith? The simple faith was believing that the Word of God is sufficient to manifest God's power in our lives. I want you to simply teach for just a moment now on why we should walk in divine health, why sickness must leave from us. What's the real basis of your faith? You know, the real basis of my faith, Sid, and should be the real basis of all of our faith, is the covenant that God ratified with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things I've learned over the years, Sid, and I'm continually to to kind of understand in this revelation, is God is a covenant God. He honors covenant. If you study, if you go to the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verse 26, Remember, the children of Israel in the prior chapter had just pretty much seen God vanquish their enemy, Pharaoh, and his army. And they're looking at their dead bodies on the shore. You get over to ver- uh, chapter 15. Miriam, the sister of Moses, is singing a song. And uh, after that, they come into the place called Mara, the waters of Mara, And the waters were bitter. And the Bible says that God told them, if you will hearken unto me, if you will keep, if you will keep my commands, if you will do those things that please me, I will cause none of the diseases to come on you that I've put on the Egyptians, for I am the God that healeth thee. Now, the word command there is a probably familiar word to many of your audience members. It's the word mitzvah, and it means an instruction, but the implication is a covenant instruction. So God says that I'm, in fact, making a covenant with you that I am going to be to you who I've just revealed you that I am. God must do. He, it is his nature to be Jehovah Rapha. He doesn't just heal us, but that's who he is. And, and you know something, Kenan? In Israel, if you say the word Rapha, do you know what you're saying? Doctor. That's what Rapha means, doctor, in the Hebrew language in Israel today. Absolutely. And that's who God is to us. He is, in fact, our great physician. This is before they ever received the Ten Commandments. The first revelation after Israel's deliverance was that he was the healer. So it's really a matter of covenant. The second thing, Sid, I want to make clear. Uh, 1 Peter 2.24 tells us this, and it's quoting from the book of Isaiah 53. It says that he bore our sins and our diseases 
on the tree that we being dead to sin might live unto God by whose stripes we were healed. It already happened, Sid. It's already been paid for. It It is a finished work. And for a believer to be oppressed by sickness or disease is illegal. Satan is committing a crime if he's afflicting your body with sickness and disease. Why? Because the covenant of God through the blood of Jesus Christ has already borne your sicknesses. You know, I tell people, it's really not a matter of trying to be healed. It's really a matter of allowing yourself to be sick because Jesus already took on our sickness. He already paid the penalty for our sins and our transgressions and the curse that came through Adam. Jesus abolished it on the cross. So we no longer have to live under the yoke of sin, of sickness, and destruction in our lives. It is our legal right to walk in divine health. And that is why, Sid, I am with all of my heart proclaiming God's message of healing and deliverance that it has already taken place. Well, Keenan, legally, when did it happen? When he died? When he hung on the cross? When his body was broken? When the blood flowed? Uh, explain that. Well, it's interesting. Um, if you if you study uh, the Bible, you know, there's there's something that I've been studying lately uh, which is uh, in, in uh, the Hebrew culture, and it's a Jewish tradition called Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur. And it's really dealing with the Day of Atonement. And when you study the Old Testament, I won't get into it a lot, but when you study the Old Testament, the priest would actually take two goats. One was what was referred as the scapegoat, and the other one was the sin offering. Now, what we see in the Messiah, Jesus, is that he actually became both. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, And he was made to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, Jesus Christ took on our sickness, our disease. Uh, he went to the cross, and the Bible teaches us that those those sicknesses and diseases were nailed to the cross. But even before that, let me back up, Sid. When every stripe, every stripe, every stripe on the back of the Messiah, every time they put a thorn of crowns on his head and pierced him, every time they took the cat of nine tails and ripped his flesh, he was taking those whips. He was taking those punishments on behalf of every sickness and disease. And finally, Sid, he stood on the cross. He was nailed to a cross for six and a half hours in torment, in agony, in agony, Sid. And he said, with, in, in Hebrew, he said, it is finished. He finished the work for us. Not only that, but he rose again, Sid. He died. He defeated the wicked one, and he rose again for our justification so that you and I are now entitled to all of the promises that God has made for us in Christ. Now, I could tell that you're a real student of uh, the uh, Jewishness of the Gospels, because unless you understand this, you don't understand the depth of what Jesus did for us. But um, Kenan, I love your brand new book, literally just off the press. Uh, I love your teaching. 
and the Scripture cards. You see, once someone has a revelation, which you teach the revelation of the Scriptures, and then they meditate on it, that's how to believe it before you see it. And I want you to start all over again. Forget the mistakes and the the disappointments you've had in the past. I want you to get this kit. We're calling it the Aggressive Faith Kit. The book, the cards, the CD, available for a gift of $35. Call it right today. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Keenan, there's some revelation in, in your brand new book that's literally just off the press. Uh, the book is called Possessing Your Healing, Taking Authority Over Sickness in Your Life. Um, and some one of the things you said, which is I'm still pondering this, is you can get to the point where you're hearing on the inside who you really are. Uh, explain that to me. Well, it's interesting. Um, One of my favorite passages of Scripture, Sid, is uh, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And if you you are familiar with it, it it talks about how Jesus, this is after he was baptized by his cousin John, and he goes into the wilderness. Now, this is the Perean wilderness, so it's it's, it's desert land, it's dry, it's hot, uh, and he goes there. And the Bible says that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, at this point, Satan begins to tempt him. And one of his temptations said, uh, Satan comes to Jesus and said, you know, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. I'm sorry, Satan comes and says, if, if, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And Jesus responds, one, one of the most profound responses in the Bible, he says, for it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, Jesus was, we know that that he is the Messiah. We know that he's fully God and fully man. We understand that. But he was also such a powerful teacher. And he chose every word carefully, Sid. And and he chose to use the word rhema in the Greek. When he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, it literally means the living voice, Sid. And what happens, what Jesus was teaching us is that the reason why he could overcome the temptation, the reason why he could overcome the external circumstances of his life is because the word was alive on the inside of him. He was hearing the words that were written. They were literally speaking to him in the wilderness. Every word that he read out of the Torah, it was speaking to him in his hour of temptation. And you and I are no different. As we begin to meditate on the Word of God, Sid, we will begin to hear the Word of God on the inside of us. We will hear that Word speak to us in a profound way, and that Word will bring life. And now the opposite of what you're saying is something, and you talk about this, something called mental ascent. What is that? Well, mental ascent, Sid, is simply when we understand a concept. We, we can understand it intellectually. In other words, we, uh, you know, a person can say, well, I, I read that God is my healer or, or he's Jehovah Rapha, according to Exodus 15, but they really don't internalize it, Sid. Here's the evidence that we believe something. The word faith that we see oftentimes in the New Testament is usually the same word 
and it simply means conviction of the truth of anything. And how do you define a conviction? See, really, a conviction is something that's unshakable. It's, it, 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 it stands regardless of circumstances or anything like that. It's an unshakable conviction, an unshakable belief. And that's what happens when we actually obtain faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Now, that's, again, the word rhema that Jesus used in Luke 4. It means the living voice. Our faith comes to us when the word of God becomes alive and active, not when we simply mentally ascend and understand a concept. And, and you know, most people that say they're operating in faith, I have to believe, are operating in mental ascent, uh, meaning they understand the concepts intellectually, but they're not hearing the voice of God in their spirit. Absolutely. Okay. Now, when you teach people, like you have a congregation now, and you teach these revelations, and I mean, every time you, every page is explosive uh, of your new book of revelation of how to operate by faith. Uh, tell me what's happening to some of your people. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, recently, uh, several months ago, actually, uh, there was a lady that came to us who we were holding a meeting. We were actually preaching uh, at, at a place, and, and we were holding a meeting. And uh, one one lady came, and she, her, and her husband have been missionaries, slash pastors up north, and they moved down to Florida because her husband had just been well. He had several years prior been diagnosed with cancer. They had to remove tissue from his face, and uh, he was over. He is, you know, he had been it had been in remission and everything. Well, she comes to us here with tears in her eyes, and she says, "I have cancerous growths on my back." And I've had them for about two years or so, and uh, it's becoming painful, it's bleeding, it's becoming discolored. And she says, I'm afraid. And said, as I begin to lay hands on her, the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow me. All he would allow me to say was this, this, this phrase to her, you will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And when I said that to her, Sid, the power of God fell on us like a blanket of bricks. That's the only way I can describe it. A blanket of bricks fell on us, and before I could even lay hands on this lady, she fell out in the spirit, knocked out Cole. Well, we we left we left there, and then this was a Friday night. On Sunday morning after service, we received a text that this same lady that we prayed for, that the cancerous growth on her back withered up and died, and fell off in the shower. This was in less than seventy-two hours. Here, yeah, you know, it's. Great when other people are healed. But what about you? Tell me about the time some lying symptoms came upon you. Well, that, that's, a, that's a, a good question, Sid. Actually, um, had, had some loved ones that were dealing with, with sickness, actually had a close relative that was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, Sid. And, uh, and, and I was very, I'm familiar with the disease. I know all about it. And uh, they begin to tell me, uh, you know, different things about what was happening to them. I pray for them, of course. Well, immediately after I was praying for them and I heard the news about them, the sat- Satan began to attack my body, Sid, in the same way. My leg became numb for several weeks. I couldn't feel my leg. I had spasms in my face. Uh, sometimes I would be sitting in a room and I would have what seemed to be an MS attack, literally. 
and uh, and now I begin to bind and loose and take authority over the enemy and say, God, in the name of Jesus, heal me, heal me. And God reminded me of what I'm teaching everybody today, that he says, son, I've already healed you. I've already healed you. Just stand on my word. So you know what I did, Sid? What? I began to take the word of God like it was medication. <laughs> I, I began to eat the word like pain pills. And all I would do, Sid, is just speak the word over myself. And I would thank God. I said, you know what, God, I thank you that my arms are perfectly normal. I have feeling in all my arms. I thank you, Lord, that my immune system functions according to your perfect will. And I am fine in Jesus' name. Thank you that I am 100% healthy in the name of Jesus. And I spoke this over and over again. So about after a week or so, Sid, every symptom vanished. Every single, not only did it vanish, they have never come anywhere. I have forbidden them to come within a 1,000-mile radius of me. So tell me the truth between you and me. Okay. Are you convinced, not 99%, 100% that sickness is uh, foreign to you and does, is from an enemy and doesn't belong? I mean, 100 percent, or are there some, uh, some reasons God might want to make someone sick? Absolutely not. I am convinced, based on the authority of God's Word, that sickness is evil. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, I want to share this really quickly. In the book of James, chapter 5, the, the author of James under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ask a very profound question. He says, is any sick among you? Now, I know the church doesn't think about this much, but Sid, it's, it's like saying, uh, does, does anyone need a ride to church <laughs> in the congregation or need a ride home, for example? The implication is that that's not something that's common among the people. For James to ask that question, sickness was seen as a foreigner in their midst. It's like saying, does, does anyone speak... Um, Tagalog or anyone speak an, an Ethiopian dialect in the room. We're, we're, we're suggesting that it's, it's, it's rare, it's foreign. But then he goes further to say, Sid, he says, let the elders of the church uh, pray for the sick, anointing them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, that's not a mistranslation. I'm reading from the King James, of course, but it says in the original Greek, it's the word save. Why does he say save? Because sickness is evil. It's a villain. It's a robber and a thief. And it does not belong in the body of a born-again believer. As a matter of fact, let me say this to, to, to you and, 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 and all of us, really. The Bible talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 5 that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Imagine someone taking something unclean and putting it on the altar in a synagogue or in a temple. Imagine something, someone taking trash or, or taking some foreign agent and spewing it all over the sanctuary. That is no different than allowing the enemy to come into your body and afflict you with sickness. It's illegal, and it desecrates that which is holy. Our body is not ours, Sid. I, I, I've learned that I don't have the right to be sick. I, I, I can't. This is not my body. This belongs to the Lord. I have to take care of what belongs to him. So I cannot allow sickness and disease into my body. 
Now, Kenan, I think it's wonderful that you and your wife operate in this aggressive faith, but you have a congregation, and you've been teaching this for a while. Do you see people able to do what you're doing? I mean, you are fearless of sickness. You are fearless of pain. Uh, You go after it as if it's a burglar, and he's just come in with with, uh, his fists, and and you're standing there with a shotgun aimed at his head. I I mean— are there others that feel this way? Absolutely, Sid, and it's it's quite an amazing thing because a, a lot of times when when a leader or a pastor is walking in a dimension of the supernatural, it becomes infectious. Really, you don't even have to talk about it. Sometimes it just it, it's just people adopted in their spirit by virtue of it flowing through you. And uh, you know, it reminds me of a, a young lady, one of the young ladies on our staff whose uh, husband was just being tormentously afflicted, Sid, just with, uh, it, you know, coughing and just, it was just a horrible uh, time. And, and uh, we, we heard a testimony that one night she, she uh, her husband was coughing through the night, just literally just hacking and, and coughing from in, infected sinuses, this and that. And so he's hacking. And so she just intuitively said, without even thinking about it, she wakes up in the middle of the night, her hand goes straight to his head, and she says, I rebuke this in Jesus' name, and she goes back to sleep. And the husband begins to kind of a little bit, he's still going through it. She gets up one more time and says, in the name of Jesus, I command you to cease. And said, he was absolutely healed in that instant. It's amazing, Sid, and we hear countless testimonies. One young man was on sinus medication for six and a half years, ever since he came to the United States. Sid, but without even uh, going into depth about the teaching, just being around this revelation, just being around this thing, he could not use his medication anymore. Sid, he didn't need it. <laughs> uh, okay, here's what I want you to do. In the next three minutes, I want you to do what you do in your brand new book. I want you to give me a scripture, unpack it for me, and then I want you to pray for the sick. Hallelujah. Well, Sid, I believe that the Word of God is so powerful. In Psalm chapter 107, it says this, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. It also says in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 21, it says that uh, we are the righteousness of God. He became the unrighteousness of God that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And I just want to share with someone out there today, you may be struggling with sickness in your body. You may be dealing with an autoimmune disorder. I see someone there, they have Crohn's disease, Sid. And God's even touching you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. There's someone with a retina. You have a detached retina. God's actually restoring your retina right now in the name of Jesus. And I just want to pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. And my wife recently was healed supernaturally of diabetes. Diabetes. There's someone out there with diabetes right now. And I want to tell you that the Word of God says that Jesus Christ, He, He, bore our sicknesses, and carried our disease. And what that means is that he, he became the receptacle of God's wrath on our behalf so that you and I could live in the fullness of him. You and I could live in the fullness of him. 
you know, the word stripe there is referring to uh, the stripes that came on Jesus' back through the Roman cat nine tails. This was literally, see, this was literally, uh, it was a whip that had bones and glass inside of it that would rip the flesh. Well, do you know that as Jesus' flesh was being ripped, every category of sickness and disease known to man was being removed from the born-again believer? And I want to pray for you today, Father, in Jesus' name. I just thank you, Lord, for those listening, your audience today, God. Father, I thank you for your healing power. And, Lord, I release faith, God, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. As they hear the word of God that I'm speaking right now, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you give them the faith to know that they no longer have to be tormented by the enemy, that they no longer have to be broken, but they can be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. There's someone with arthritis. There's someone with uh, lupus in the name of Jesus. Someone with breast cancer in Jesus' name. I declare, I curse cancer in Jesus' name. I curse lupus. I command it to leave your body even right now. In the precious name of the Messiah, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Kenan, you have had some revelation about what's going to happen in Israel. What is God showing you? Wow, Sid, Sid, wow, wow, wow. It's amazing because uh, you've mentioned even on your broadcast the idea of the one new man. And I think that the church is in desperate need of this revelation. We need to understand the convergence of the one new man, that there, in fact, in Christ, there is no more Jew, there is no more Gentile, but what Jesus refers to as one new man. I believe, Sid, that we're going to see a revival, a healing and supernatural revival like the world has never seen. When, when the church begins to embrace this revelation, it's going to come even out of Israel. You're going to see even synagogues. that are going to begin to flow in the supernatural power of God. Uh, uh, You know what I envision? I envision it's supernatural television having a studio in Jerusalem because I want to capture these Orthodox, young Orthodox Jews running around, uh, uh, praying for the blind, having limbs growing out. I mean, if if you want your faith stretched, you'll just have to watch It's Supernatural in the near future. Amen. Uh, By the way, have you ever seen an angel? I actually, I have. (laughs) I have. Tell me. Tell me about it. I want to tell you, uh, I have been praying about trying to— uh, trying to, you know, I, I wanted to see angels. I, you know, I, I saw one once when I was, uh, quickly, I saw one once when I was first, I was about 15 years old, and an angel visited me one night in my sleep. I was going through a very difficult time. I was being persecuted by even family members, Sid. And one day I woke up in the middle of the night, and I saw an angel hovering over me, its silhouette, and it gazed into my eyes, Sid. But there was no fear. I was not afraid, and as I, as I, it looked at me for a few seconds, and it shot away. It literally not just disappeared. It flew away like lightning, and then when I woke up the next morning, I heard in my spirit the word rest, and the next morning, I woke up with such a sense of peace that I had never experienced before. The second time was actually about, um, not the second time, but one of the most recent times was about uh, last year. Uh, we were, our, our ministry was very young and we were, uh, you, you know, just going through some challenges and things like that. And, 
I couldn't I couldn't press in, Sid. I was trying to pray, I was trying to get in the word and I just felt blockages. And and one day I was praying, Sid. I was praying early in the morning, it was about five AM and I turned to my right, Sid, and I saw an angelic being in the spirit realm. It was about ten feet tall and I looked at him and I knew by word of knowledge that his name was Joy. Joy. Now, this is what happened. When I looked at this angel called Joy, he poured a bucket of living water. It was like spring water. It was cold. He poured water on top of me. And when that water hit my back, Sid, I jumped up. And a vibrance and a renewal I had never experienced before just came on me. I began to worship God with tears in my eyes. And you know what? I've been on fire since that day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think anyone be on fire. Uh, just very briefly, very briefly, what do you see happening in America shortly in reference to the gospel? You know, the, the, the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. John chapter 4 tells us this. Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman, and he told her, he says, listen, I have water that you, that you don't know anything about. This is living water that will be a well inside of you, springing into eternal life. But there was one condition, Sid. He says that you know not who you worship. Salvation is of the Jews. And besides, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, for God is a spirit. And, Sid, I believe that through the economic situation, through, through a lot of the things that are happening, that there's a lot of shifting in the government, a lot of godlessness in our society. God is going to raise up a remnant in America that understand the mystery of true worship, and they're going to be his warriors in these end times to speak the uncompromised word of God. Yeah, yeah no, I'm speaking to someone right now, and God is saying, I want you to have a brand new beginning. I want you to have a fresh start. Forget the failures you've had in the mistake. There is total forgiveness and a total new beginning in God. If you repent to your sins, he's just and faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And I want you to get this aggressive faith kit, uh, the uh, scripture cards, the brand new book, and the CD teaching. And I want you to be one of those that Kenan was just prophesying about, a gift of $35. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.